Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. My name is Evan. I am joined by my faithful co-host, Matt. This is the... Hello, everybody. Yep. This is the mid-season review episode. Uh, So it'll be like a... We're going to quickly go over um, our mid-season picks. Not not picks. How would you say it? Choices for the most impressive team, the most underperforming team, the most underrated player, the best player so far, and then we're going to do our top four prediction again after we did it at the beginning. And then, obviously, we will quickly go over the upcoming matches for the next week. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Matt. How are you this week? No, I'm doing good. I mean, we were just saying before recording, it's cold out. We, we've played a couple rounds of golf. Well, you have. I play, I hopped in one. We played with our brothers. That was a nice change of pace. I haven't gotten out there in a while, and it felt yeah. good. I shot a couple balls nice later in the rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in the day, it got. But uh, yeah, other than that, it's been a pretty decent week. Yeah, I just got off the course. Uh, I was telling Matt before we started recording. Whoops. I am fucking freezing. I mean, my, my bones are like just hard from the wind um it, it like i'm just i'm still freezing i'm sitting here in my uh, like four layers of under armor and hoodie or not i took my hoodie off and my beanie still because i'm just fucking freezing it, it's it's great playing golf in the winter because the courses are really quiet there's there's not a lot of people here especially yeah. where we live in a short town like the summertime unless you go at twilight it's a nightmare because there's just there's a hundred people on the course at all times it's everybody's up your ass. You can't take your time. Can't even take a fucking practice swing because there's fucking shoobies from from New York and Philly that are screaming at your fucking. They're screaming at you. I live here. Get the fuck off the course. Let me play, and you come down later. Um, but yeah, you know it's it's nice to play in the winter. But the only downside is is it's cold. It's cheap, but it is so fucking cold. And I'm I'm still warming up a little bit here. I'm like afraid to touch my cold water. I'm definitely dehydrated because I didn't drink all day, but I I didn't want to drink any cold water because I was so cold. It was just gonna fucking make me more freezing. Yeah, one of the worst feelings is like how you're saying after a nice or a long day outside in the cold, you take a hot shower and it feels like you're burning. I know. I I haven't even gotten a shower yet. I'm gonna fucking take a bath later or something. I I literally don't take baths, but I'm so cold that I feel like I need to sit in some hot water for a while later on this evening. Might might even crack. Might even have a whiskey. I haven't I haven't drank in months, but I might even crack whiskey. A little buzz. Yeah, that shit'll get me fucking hammered. Like I said, I mean, it's probably been the, the last time I went out with you to Cape May. That was the last time. That was the last time that I've been like even remotely. Yeah, exactly. You don't even remember that. Who who went? Was it just us? It was you, we... me. We met was my we... we met my uh, friend Kaylee there too. Later oh on. yeah. Oh wow. That's a long time. <laughs> that was the last that was last. That was like early last summer or something. I, I may have had like a beer in between then and now. That's probably it. Even last summer. That was like maybe the summer of it was 19. the it was the spring. It was the spring. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so long I can't even put a finger on it. What we went to the mug? We yeah, went to Finn's. Now that you said that, I remember where the whole night now. Yeah. I was pretty hammered that night. I was pretty drunk. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was the last time. Whatever. I don't know. Um, okay. Let's let's uh get into our our picks for the mid season review. So Matt put these together. He put these um, these couple categories together here for us. 
and I know he's done quite he's done quite a bit of research. Mine will probably be a little more informal than his, but I'm I'm interested to see if we match up at all here. So for most impressive team, that's the, that's the first category. Matt, who do you have? Uh, I mean, the easy one to say right away is Man City with how the recent form is, or uh, Man United of lately. But I went with a outside the top six area. I went with West Ham United. Uh, they're currently sitting seventh in the league with a record of nine wins, five draws, and five losses. Um, they've conceded fewer goals than Man United and Chelsea and are on level with goals conceded uh, with Liverpool. So they're right up there with the big clubs there. Um, and also they compete well with them. In this season, they've gotten wins over Leicester and Everton. And I would say even more impressive is they've gotten draws against Tottenham and Manchester City. Uh, that Spurs game, they were down 3 nothing, and they scored three late goals from the 80th minute on, which is uh, capped off with like a 95th minute screamer from Lanzini. Um, I don't think they had any right in getting a point out of that game, but how it finished was incredible for them. And I'm sure as you as an Arsenal fan, it was nice to see Spurs always drop points. Yeah. Um, I would say their main issue right now is converting chances if you look in all the all their past games they've only scored over three or more goals maybe once or twice they average one maybe one goal a game uh that's just a lack of depth uh we've seen we've said over the past two shows i think with uh them selling their main guy sebastian Haller. uh take that for what it is but one of their two strikers they've had they got rid of him now they rely on michael antonio i was looking on one football and a couple other news outlets for transfer rumors. Apparently, they're linked with a move for El Nesri. He's a forward I'll, I'll, yeah. slash yeah, he's a forward slash winger for Sevilla right now in La Liga. Um, he's done well in the Europa League at times, and he's not entirely your main guy you want to go with. But for a rotation guy with him and Antonio, when Antonio's dealing with his hamstring issue, that's all right. Um, but they only have a solid 11 to 13 players, I would say, that, that going off that lack of depth point. So I don't see them pushing for top six. But in my preseason prediction, I had West Ham finishing 20th. I thought they were going to get relegated. I thought their business as a whole was poor over the summer. But it turned out I was completely wrong, and I'm glad. Because uh, they have Thomas Suchek and Kufal. Both players coming from Slavia Prague in the Czech Republic League. Uh, both very cheap. Both are ha um, hard starters in their lineup, and they're integral players. Uh, Suchek plays alongside Declan Rice, who I would say is their key player. He's only 21 years old, and he's the captain of the club, which says a lot uh, for his maturity and how he holds himself. He's a rock-solid holding midfielder, and I would say after this year, it's going to be really hard for uh, West Ham to hold him because clubs like Chelsea and United and I'm sure abroad like uh, Madrid are looking at him too. Mm. But uh, yeah, as a whole, I think West Ham, if they can keep this warm up and hold and hover around that six to seven area, I think this would be a very a fantastic year for them. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 when I was going through my things, West Ham were on my short list. Um, ultimately, I, I didn't pick them. I picked, I picked United. They, mm -hmm. as of the past, I don't know, 15 weeks, have, to me, appeared to be the not only most impressive team, but the most rapidly improving team. It does seem like every time that I watch them, 
they seem to be putting something else to get. They, they, they fix a part of their game each time that they play. And this, this team has become more of a unit, especially in the last three to four weeks with the now continual uh, inclusion of Eric Bailly at the back. It seems yeah. like, like Bailly and Maguire play a lot better together than Lindelof and Maguire. And I think uh, when you watch matches, I, I watched a couple matches back um, maybe a week ago. I watched some early season matches because I was looking at United's current form versus how they were playing at the beginning of the season. Right. And it th- the way that they played defense is, is so much different now. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's much stronger centrally, whereas before you were relying on, on Juan Basaka and relying way too much on Luke Shaw to make crucial tackles. And now I just think that there's a lot more confidence. And, and I hope Bailly continues to get the nod here because he has, I would say, transformed the the level of confidence that they had at the back. Um and and I don't I don't think that there's any argument to be made about United's form right now. That they, they've they've ground out some wins here that they really needed. You know, they, they did draw against Liverpool, which is huge. They they currently sit with forty points. Their goal differential is eleven, which is one of the one of the lower goal differentials in the or yeah. One of the lower goal differentials in the top four. Uh City has eighteen, whereas Leicester City has fourteen. Right. So they don't score they don't score an absolute fuck ton of goals but i think that they score when they need to and i think that they're going to continue to do this for the rest of the season i mean they've only continued to build chemistry whereas it seems like some teams are losing chemistry chelsea being one of them united mm-hmm. seem to be rapidly improving and steadily improving which is what i what i think you want um for for a title content contending team and for me, they're they're just the most impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can agree with you on some points, but I think what they're going through right now is deserved. But the beginning of the season is a true sign of I think how they're going to finish the year. Okay. Uh, I think them and Liverpool completely switched roles. Liverpool started out hot, while United was cold, and I think this the end or I should say the start of November to the end of November was when things started shifting for both clubs. Um, United started getting a, a run of games. Uh, they started beating all the teams they should have beaten. And like you said, defensively, they've straightened up, mm-hmm. uh, given Bayi more minutes, and Wambasaka straightened up, and De Gea is not uh, committing as many errors. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's big. I, I didn't even think about that. But uh, I would say their main, I think the reason, this is the main reason I think they're not going to win the league. They can't get those key moments or key per- performances from their star players in the big matches. Yeah. You said they got a draw against Liverpool, dropped two points. They played Man City twice. Granted, once was in the League Cup, but they drew and lost in those two, respectively. And they got a draw against Leicester. These are all teams they're competing with at the top of the table. And. And even going to that beginning of the year that I mentioned before, they lost 6-1 to Spurs, yeah. which was absolutely annihilation. Obviously, they got a red card there. Um, even Arsenal beat them. Exactly. Arsenal got a win. So it's going to be interesting to see their upcoming run of games. Uh, obviously, Sunday, they play Liverpool in the League Cup, or in the FA Cup, I should say. And then a big run of games come where they play Arsenal, Southampton, and Everton, which is I think those three matches are going to be very key to see if they're serious or not to 
compete with their main their main competition right now, which would be Man City. I, I think Leicester will drop off a little bit too, just because of the same reason as West Ham. I don't think they have the depth off the bench. Yeah. And news came out today that Jamie Vardy is going to be out three to four weeks. He just had hernia surgery. Saw that. So he's, he'll be recovering from that. But also from a Man City point, Kevin De Bruyne is going to be out four to six weeks with a hamstring issue, which is very, very troubling for them because I would say he's been their best player performing this year, four goals and 10 assists. Uh, he opens up the game so much for them. So it's going to be very hard for them to replace those performances with uh, Bernardo uh, Silva in there or a Fern- Fernandinho pushed into there. Yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't I, I didn't know if you were done or if you were yeah. going to say pushed into their something role. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, De Bruyne is, is like their their talisman player. He he. Everything goes through him for the most part. It's it's rare that you see City win a game by playing the flanks, right? The, the ball typically gets played um, out to the flanks by De Bruyne, and then sometimes they manage to get it in. But uh, we'll have to see. I, I just, I think, I, I don't know if I, if I agree with the fact that United will finish poorly. I, I think that they have... I just think that this this bump, like this run that they've had here, has yeah. to has to continue to carry on for them. They're a huge club. They do have the the players they need. I think uh, Bruno and Pogba playing well together is is easily the best midfield duo in in the Premier League. I don't even think it's who else like at their very best. Who else is better? Uh, I mean. Maybe I was gonna say Chelsea, but they just haven't been consistent with a. Yeah, but you mean right, like though. a pair going forward or in general? I just mean in general, like at their very best. If there was another midfield duo that you can think of right now that play together, and imagine them at their very best, like would they be better or would they just be on par with Pogba and Bruno? Because their ceilings are so immensely high. I, I right away want first thing that comes to my mind is uh, Kevin De Bruyne, but his pairings this year has Are been poor, uh, right? Rodrigo Gunduan. Gunduan. He's stepped up a lot. I think he's got five goals in his last eight matches. Yeah, uh, they they sometimes push Fernandinho into there or they pull Bernardo Silva back there, but they don't have a true partner for him in there. Right, uh, long term, I should say. And I was going to say Chelsea with Angolo Conte and. Mason Mount. Mason Mount is he was an honorable mention for me for uh, most underrated player, but I think Mason Mount on his day he can pull some some um, games up, yeah, and get some points. But yeah, I don't right now currently. I think that's the best pairing. I would agree with you on that point. Yeah, and and I just think that the if those guys continue to play well and continue to provide service for or Rashford and for the motley crew of of wingers and forwards that they play depending on the day uh greenwood or martial or cavani um they all can kind of get on the end of it you know and and martial has been scoring ever so often and cavani's been scoring when they play him so greenwood's really the only one that hasn't provided and he hasn't really played much so i i just think that they have a lot of options and i think that they've been playing pretty well um i don't necessarily think that they will win the league i think city will win the league but right now as of this mid-season review manchester united are the team that the most impressed me 
So with that, we will move on. And I guess uh, who are I'm going to tell you who my underperformers are. It's Liverpool. I know that there's I know that they're fourth in the league right now as of this recording. Yep. But to me, they have the strongest roster. When you have Mane, Salah, and Firmino, there is no reason for you not to score. There's no reason. I don't care what type of what type of issues you have as as far as defensive injuries go. I don't care if you're having goalkeeper issues, which they're not. I mean, they have Alice on there. There's no reason that they should be even conceding. He's he's one of the best in the world. I just don't see how this Liverpool team can be six points behind this United team. When you have Salah, Firmino, and Mane, one of them should be scoring at least a goal a game. I just don't get it. I thought they would run away with the league. I think teams have figured out their style of play and system. Um, I don't think Klopp's being as creative as he as he usually is. I mean, he's he's talking about uh, VAR with United. He's getting in arguments with the Burnley manager. He's frustrated. Um, yeah, he's frustrated about a lot of things, and he's taking it out on other problems, whereas he needs to go in-house and figure out a way to change it up. Uh, he tried with Shakiri and Origi. Yesterday against uh, Burnley, obviously that didn't turn out well. Origi blew a chance, uh, hitting the crossbar right before the half. Uh, Shakiri doing what he can, but eventually Salah and Firmino came in. You thought uh, the ringers coming in to save the day, and that couldn't happen. But, I mean, they have two goals in their last five matches, uh, which is obviously unheard of, coming it's, off it's, a 7 nothing win over Palace. It's pitiful. Uh, and I, and it's not even a defensive problem. They're not leaking an right. increasingly amount of goals like you would think with the lack of Van Dyke and Matip being in and out. They have to slide Fabinho and even Jordan Henderson back there, yeah. and uh, bringing in that Max Phillips who nobody heard of before three months ago. Right. So I mean, yeah, it's all it all falls on those attacking players. They have so much pressure on them, and I think once Diego Jota comes back, I think that's going to add a fresh a fresh new breath of air into the team, some new life. I think he'll open things up and it'll be hard for team. I mean, you already saw at the beginning of the year, how hard uh, teams couldn't handle him because they've never seen him play in that system before. So Klopp needs to figure things out soon because they, they play, they play Spurs uh, in the next match. So that's going to be a very, very, very big match. They did beat them two to one earlier in the year with a 90th minute winner from Mane, but, we know how this game's going to go. It's going to be Liverpool dominating the possession. I looked at the stats from last time. It was 75 to 25 in possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool outpassed Tottenham 800 to 200 in passes. Jesus. But it's, it, we know how it's going to play. It's all going to be on the counter for Tottenham, which is how they're built with Mourinho. We've said that. So it'll be interesting with a similar reputation of team two big clubs rather than Liverpool the past three to four weeks playing inferior competition that pack it in uh, things might open up a little bit more for these players. So it should be interesting to see how they carry themselves. Yeah, we will have to see. I just, I don't know. I was, I've been hoping that we would get more of that firecrackers type style of play that we were getting before. Um, when Klopp had first come here and, and established that that star trio, but um, you're right, they they've been found out, and the ball getting crossed in by TAA and Robertson has just 
teams have figured that out and they've realized that if you just park six seven eight guys in the in the fucking 18 or more compactly the six um then those balls are never going to get in and these guys can they can work the ball in so close but then they just drag it instead of trying to put it on frame and it's proved to be a problem and liverpool just look impotent in, in front of the net when it matters and that that's why right now as of as of this moment, they are my most underperformers, most underperforming team. How about you? Uh, similar with my most improved team, I went with an outside the top six team. Um, like you said, uh, Liverpool were up there for me. Obviously, you could say the same about Chelsea or even an Arsenal. Yeah, but um, they just sucked, with... though. Yeah, <laughs> like they just. I... <laughs> They're pulling it back. They're in great form. Yeah. They can. They, they have. They have. Uh, they have some matches coming up that they look favorable for them. But yeah. um, yeah, I, I went with Wolverhampton. Mm. Uh, they sit right now six wins, four draws, and nine losses. Uh, that's up there for the most losses in the season outside of the bottom three. Um, and they only have one win in their last nine matches, and that win coming in a 95th minute winner from Pedro Neto against Chelsea. Um, obviously that piles on to Chelsea being shit, but moving on since joining the league three years ago in 2018, they finished both of their last two campaigns in seventh position. I don't see that happening this year because they can't put a run of wins together. They get one win and then they lose two. It's like taking a step forward and then two back. And that's due to them being injury prone. Uh, they lost their main striker in Raul Jimenez, who currently right now being out for almost two months is still joint top goal scorer for the team on four goals with Mm. Pedro Neto. And to solve that, they're in talks right now to bring in William Jose uh, from Real Sociedad for the remainder of the season on loan with a 20 million pound option to buy. Uh, He averages 11 to 15 goals and three to four assists a season going back in his last five seasons professionally for them. Uh, That'll be very nice for them. An actual striker that understands the position and can get in certain slots behind the defenders to open things up for the wingers. Because we've said Pedro Neto, Podence, and even at times, um, what's his name? Uh, Ruben Neves have played mm-hmm. as a shadow striker. Yep. Guys that aren't used to that position. So getting somebody like that, uh, there were also rumors. I don't think these were even close to being true, but there were talks of them bringing in Diego Costa. I saw that. Uh, that, that would be funny to see him back in the Premier League, uh, how he came in 2014-15 with Chelsea, uh, bringing that tough guy edge. Uh, everybody hates him. He's such a fucking bastard. I do yeah, not want a, him back. Yeah, he's a very polarizing figure, but, oh, he, he's fucking... but he produced great moments uh, for his time in the league with Chelsea winning uh, one Premier League title. But um, back to Wolves, um, they're not beating teams they're supposed to. They have losses against West Brom recently, 3-2 to two of last week in a rivalry game. Uh, obviously, two of those came from penalties, so maybe it wasn't all on Wolves there. It was due to the refs a little bit, but uh, they also lost to Burnley, too, So who currently right now are their competition in the table. And they also have draws against Newcastle and Brighton, who are terrible this year. Uh, Newcastle, especially in their form, I'd say they're probably dead last, even below Sheffield, the way they're playing. Um, they And they lack firepower. I said Neto leads the team with four. Uh, second in the team in goals is Roman Saiz, who's a central defender. So that is saying a lot of their attacking players. 
And I I looked into this. I did a little bit of the math here. Their their attack, all their attacking players, and I included Ruben Neves in this. Uh, their average age is 21 years old. I would have to say that's probably the one of the youngest uh, attacking groups in the league, and it's showing in the score sheets how how they're producing with um, Fabio Silva, who's 18, Pedro Neto, I said 20, uh, even Ruben Neves is 23. So they're a very young team. They, I'm comparing this to the last two seasons. Like this, I said, they finished seventh. Nuno was so new to the league, he had his style. Uh, similar to how Leeds is now, how they entered the league. They were a very attacking team. They didn't change their tactics to who they were playing. They came out in their system, and it didn't matter who it was against. They played their way, and it worked out in their favor. And similar to a Liverpool thing, I think teams have figured out them. And obviously some games have key moments to where it can be unlucky and doesn't go in their way, but losing nine matches, there's something wrong. Yeah. It's not a fluke. So that's why they're my biggest underperforming team. Okay, that's fair. I think I agree with you. It's unfortunate, actually, to see Wolves uh, play so poorly this season, especially after having a somewhat decent start. The loss of Raul yeah. Jimenez, I think you can attribute a lot of it to. He, he's not only kind of their, their leader and like their talisman player, um, but but he's... He's just fantastic, and he he yep. is a he is a visual leader, like a visible leader rather. Yeah. Um. And and obviously Nuno can't be out there on the pitch telling the guys what to do. So it's it's just it's really rough. I I feel like I know they they've only been in the league for three years, but it feels like Raúl Jiménez and Nuno have been in in the Premier League for twenty five years. I yeah. feel like I've been watching them forever because they're such a Wolves play a distinct style when Raúl Jiménez is on the pitch and. Having missed him is is really rough for them. Uh, he, yeah, he has a skull fracture, so I know I know he's back in light training, but we'll have to see. Um, yeah, sometimes He'll be done those, for the rest of the year probably. Yeah, sometimes those injuries can can also haunt you after. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll be wearing the thing that Czech used to wear. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, we saw how Czech came back and had a great long career. Obviously, the goalkeeper positions. Uh, a lot less contact than a field player, but still, you can put a great career together even after a serious injury like that. Oh, yeah, and yeah. In their next match, they play Chelsea, who's in terrible form. So it'll be it, both teams are in bad form, and Wolves, like I said earlier, did get the win over them the first time. So it'll be interesting to see if, if they do the double over Chelsea or if Chelsea can get revenge and... Frank can get the monkey off his back a little bit and get that pressure off him from the media. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Um, okay, most underrated player. Mine's a homer pick. I don't. I don't know what yeah. yours is, but um, I have Saka on mine. Uh, his stats I looked today do not tell the whole story. Uh, he only has four goals and one assist in seventeen games. I don't think that that tells the whole story, as I just said. I think that he has been um, responsible for injecting life back into this Arsenal team. I think he plays with a youthful vigor. I think he is extremely talented. And I think that he has a drive for the game 
that a lot of players on this Arsenal team right now, especially the older ones, do not have. And he seems thirsty, and he seems ready to play and give you 110%. And I think that it was it's important for Arteta to have guys like that. And I think Saka is is everything that you want in a... I mean, I don't want to say club captain, but he he has the he has the the makings of a yeah I know it's it's bold, but he has the the makings of a guy that you want to make a mainstay at the club. He cares. He is obviously playing for the badge. He's giving everything he has, and I mean he from playing in a left back, wing back, left mid when they need him position, and 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 doing everything that he does, I think is very impressive. And he's very young. So for me, I think he's got to be the most underrated player. I don't think Arsenal ever strings this, this, uh, this like form back up. You know, it's four, four wins, one loss from the last five or one draw rather. Uh, I don't think that that is even remotely what our last five form looks like. If Saka is not on the pitch every game. Yeah. So it's, it's him for me. I can definitely see that point. Um, yeah, he does bring bring out the best of people. Uh, Aubameyang did get two goals against Southampton. He's really needed that for a long time. And um, yeah, and you've seen other guys step up from that team as well with um, Emil Smith-Rowe. He's great, yeah. Uh, Tierney's picked it up going forward a little bit, and you're getting solid performances out of your center backs. Rob Holding's doing well, and uh, David Luiz occasionally can get in there too. So Arsenal's Arsenal's on the way up, and Sock is a great um, player to have in your club right now. Yeah. Oh, quickly before we move on to yours, I did want to say Mesut Ozil has officially left Arsenal. My favorite player, probably it's very close, probably of all time. He's probably my favorite player ever. Um, uh, what would you say would be your most memorable moment of him? My most memorable moment. Either yeah. when he tied on Riz's assist record in what year was that? Fifteen, or when he had that magnificent solo goal in the Europa League against Ludogorets right before they started to bench him. Have you have you seen that goal? Not recently. I'll, I'll watch it back after this. I'll, I'll tweet it out after. But I mean, just the amount of skill that that he had that he possessed. Um, in playing passes and in dribbling too, um, mm-hmm. just unreal. I mean, he he was a maestro. He was such a creator, a beautiful footballing mind. And it's unfortunate that that he had to go out this way. I, I know that he's starting to get up there in age. I think he's thirty two now. Um, but I feel like I've been watching him play for twenty years. I, I watched him play the entire time at Madrid, and. He was just as good when he came to Arsenal, and and once once Wenger left, he just fell out of favor, and unfortunately mm-hmm. now he's going on to to bigger and better things. I hope they utilize him over in Turkey, and I hope that he plays amazing, and 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 Arteta sees you know how much of a jackass he is for letting him go for for free. Yeah. So yeah. good luck to you, Mezit. We appreciate all you've done for the league. Yeah. Oh, we're looking at uh, what's the kid from? Odegaard, Martin Odegaard. Yeah, you're going to do like a loan deal for the rest of the season or something. I'll take it. Although ESR has been playing well. Smith Rowe has been good. Yeah, I think that's what Arsenal's missing in their midfield. They need an attack and drive force in there. That, 
That's why I wanted to make the point earlier with Liverpool. I think they need that too. Their midfield's a little oh, yeah. flat. That's how a lot of them are. But uh, my most underrated player right now, I don't know if you'd consider him underrated with how he's done this year, but I think he does fly under the radar a little bit. I think uh, Patrick Bamford. That's who my other one was. Yeah, the striker for Leeds. Yep. He 10 goals, 2 assists, and 18 league appearances. I think he can finish with 15 to 20 this year. Oh, yeah. Easily. And I think doing that, he'll probably get scooped up by a bigger club, if not this year, than the next, if he can replicate it next season. But um, he's the main vocal point of probably the most potent attack outside of the top six clubs, I would say. Uh, similar to how I was talking about Wolves, how they entered the league, they came out in a all-out attacking style of play. That's exactly what Bielsa and Leeds are doing. Uh, they score a lot, but also they concede a lot. But it turns out to be great, great matches to watch as a neutral. Um, he's a versatile player. He can play as a lone striker. He can play with a partner. And he's also dangerous from outside positions. He can link up with teammates getting assists. Uh, technically great on the ball, an aerial threat. And he has a high, high work rate on both sides of the ball. That You've seen him in moments where on defense he wins the ball back in key areas to lock teams down and get great counterattacks going. And um, he follows the play all the way through to where he can get tap-ins and also set up teammates for easy tap-ins as well. So uh, he has the support of his manager, teammates, and fans. Uh, I think the media slip, sleeps on him a little bit. Uh, that's why I think he flies under the radar and is underrated. Um, and I think one of the key factors for him having such a great year so far is he hasn't had any major injuries or setback setbacks to interrupt his season uh like other strikers like i mentioned earlier with jamie vardy uh you've seen with aguero over years and years how um he's on track to have a 30 goal season and then get injured for two months so those are things that go in his way and i think uh what a great story for him uh to have a year like this is um where he came from he was a part of the chelsea loan system that recently lucas piazon who was a 10-year member of the club was just sold uh he did seven loan spells in that time he only made three career uh professional appearances and he came out and pretty much talked shit on that whole system in the club and how it does not help those players because he would come in the summertime uh, for trainings and preseason tournaments, and the players would tell him to put put in the grind, and like the manager will see. But then they bring in three new players for over fifty million pounds, and then he he knew he would never play. So it's a flawed system, especially there. Um, I mean, you see now with Tamori, he just got sent out on loan uh, to AC Milan for the remainder of the year with a option to buy. I think is at twenty five million pounds or yep. euros. So I think he'll definitely get sold. Uh, it's hard to see. He's a, he's an academy product, uh, Chelsea through and through. I really want him to play more. Um, it's a it's a tough situation because they brought in a guy like Thiago Silva who carries a a great reputation, and you know he's a great player. Um, but if he didn't come, I think Tamori would have been right in there alongside Kurt, uh, Kurt Zuma. But uh, it didn't work out. But yeah, I think that's that's why Patrick Bamford is my most underrated player. I think that's fair. He he was my other option. It was either either going to be Sock or Bamford, but I I thought that you would pick Bamford, and I didn't want to pick the same 
Um, I, I am curious to see who our best player so far is. For me, it pains me to pick. Uh, I think we're going to say the same. Wangman's son has been. Oh, okay. Number one for me. He really has been. He is bar none, I think, the most naturally gifted player in the league. He has 18 league appearances this year, 12 goals, six assists. He can either score at will or assist at will. And I don't think there's been one game where I haven't seen him get a chance. And you know that that Tottenham don't play an amazing possession uh, game. It's just one of those games where if the ball falls to Sun, you know that he can do something fantastic with it. He can cut inside. He can go wide. It doesn't matter. He's so talented um, with his attacking prowess. He reminds me of of like players of old. It, it's it's like when Henri used to get the ball and you'd be like, oh, he, he can he can do, score from wherever he wants. He can dribble or he can take a rip. It doesn't matter. And Son kind of reminds me like that. It, it Like I said, it does pain me to compare him to one of my favorite Arsenal players of all time, but he is, yeah. he is that talented. And I'm surprised that, you know, Madrid or, or Barca haven't come knocking yet because he's unfucking real Yeah. Uh, he was up there for my honorable mentions uh, with Bruno Fernandez and Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. I went with the other guy from Tottenham. I went with Harry Kane. Kane. Yeah. Um, honestly, there's Son does not have a season like he is without Harry Kane. I think it, uh, it's, it works reverse too, though, I think. I don't know. I think Harry Kane... I think... I'll say it here. I think Harry Kane is a better player than Huming Son. I know he. I know Son is more explosive. He is the more dynamic player. But Harry Kane and his role is so crucial for that team and how it plays. Similar to a Roberto Firmino of the past. Yeah. Uh, not in the similar style of where he goes unnoticed because Kane does score. But currently he has 12 goals and 11 assists in 18 league appearances. 19 goals in all competitions so far. Um, he is the head of that Spurs attack. He yeah. can play as a lone striker. Or I say, or I should say, this season he's played as a lone striker, similar to past. But he's come as a a false nine kind of striker. He's converted from a hold up top, wait for the ball to. He gets involved in the build up play more. He comes back to collect the ball which allows his teammates to push past him up the field into more attacking positions. You've seen that a lot to where a lot of chances are created where Kane comes back, collects the ball in the midfield, and by the time he gets it, Huming Sun's gone, and Kane plays a spectacular ball into him, and Sun does the rest. So I can see why you say Sun in the finishing, but I look back into the buildup of it and how he fits into little pockets in between defenders and the midfielders at times to to create chances for these guys, not only, not only Son, but everybody else around him. Uh, and he works well with his teammate, like Bamford. He works, he works well on defense, too. He gets stuck in to win the ball. He's not afraid. I think he's probably going to end up with at least 25 goals this year. I was looking back to the past five, six years of his goal tallies. Uh, the last two years, he did 17 and 18. He's probably going to smash that. And the year before those two, he got 30. I think he'll be on par for that, especially with how they play. And I honestly think they're, they'll end in the top four this year. 
Yeah, I, I think that's I think that the argument for Kane there certainly exists. He's been one of the most prolific strikers in the league. And I did say I don't think that that Kane has these numbers without Son. I think that he is capable of doing it without Son, but I think having having a person that you play so well alongside in kind of a partnership role, even though obviously they're both not strikers, um, does make it a whole lot easier because they have a synergy that just makes racking up goals and assists for both of them so much easier, right? There was a time before Sun was to where he is now, where Kane had three seasons where he scored 25, 27, and 30 goals. So he can do do it by himself. That's why I think he's a more complete player, maybe not better player, Mm -hmm. but he's more complete. Sun is more dynamic and creative on the ball, but Kane has is the full package yeah which is unbelievable because he's built like a fucking bricklayer i know it's it it is impressive it's very impressive he's he's the captain for england for a reason yeah um yeah he's just like a fatter jamie vardy (laughs) (laughs) he but he is he he is fantastic I, i i i definitely entertain the idea that that kane um is is the most impressive player this year certainly he he was in my um he he was in my thoughts too but i not necessarily I mean, stats stats matter for sure in this discussion um right. i'd say they they're about 80% of the discussion but the like the magic yeah f- for me is big and and when i watch son you do experience some some fucking filth like some wizard filth yeah, he definitely has more highlights. Uh, Zach did make the point before the before we started recording. I was talking to him downstairs. He was saying that if United wins the league, he thinks Bruno deserves Player of the Year. He does because he he's sitting on eleven goals and nine assists. And since he was brought in, he accounts for I think fifty to sixty percent of their goals, whether it's goals him scoring or assisting. United is dog shit without Fernandez. I don't even yeah. think they're in the top five without Fernandez. He's no. he's like bar bar none, the the most important player to a team in the Prem. He's not my most impressive player, but he honestly he should have been in contention for me. I I didn't really give him a fair shake, but yeah. but he is certainly the most important player to a team. Yeah. Um. Okay. So our top four prediction is the last. We're at forty five minutes. Holy fuck! We're gonna have to run quickly through our um our like main game prediction. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, top four prediction for me, easy. City, United, Liverpool, Spurs. Yeah. I don't think Chelsea touched the top four. I just I only think it's gonna get worse for them. I think that Frank unfortunately will leave. Um. Two more losses and he's gone, in in my opinion. Abramovich doesn't fuck around. He doesn't sit around on, on managers for long if he doesn't see that they're yeah. you know, uh achieving for them. I don't think Arsenal unfortunately make it into the top four. They may finish sixth. We will have to see. Um I just think that the top four teams right now have too many goals ahead. Uh, the the order is certainly gonna get switched up. Obviously, United are in first right now. I think City are the team that that do it. And then I think United slip a tiny little bit, but only to 
only to second. Liverpool pick it up towards the back half of the season, get themselves third, and Spurs kind of sit where they are right now and take fourth. We have the same teams in the four. I just yeah. have them in a different order. Yeah. Um, my preseason prediction, I had City, Chelsea, Liverpool, United. Uh, it's in that same order. I just swapped Chelsea out for Tottenham. I think Tottenham finished second above Liverpool and United. Um, I think Leicester coming fifth. They, like like uh, how I said with West Ham, they only have a limited amount of guys that are good and off the bench. Not They're not at the same level. I think that's going to show in these big matches. They'll drop off a little bit. And that's the difference between making the top four. But um, yeah, my big one in there is Tottenham finished second. We just talked about how Son and, we made the arguments for Son and Kane uh, being the best players this season so far. I think they'll combine for at least 40 goals this year. And in those big games, they will show up uh, against Liverpool this weekend. I think Tottenham will beat Liverpool. And I think the same thing when they play United. I think they're a better overall, maybe not a better overall team, but I think they play better together. They they they're more acquainted with each other rather than Liverpool and United are. So that would I mean Man City's going to run away with it. They're they're on nine in a row. They're probably going to win their next three before they play another big team, and they'll still dominate that. It's very hard. Um, I mean, with the news of Kevin De Bruyne now being out for four to six week is massive. So now is the time to play them if you're a big club to get the advantage on them. But um, yeah, that would be how I see the top four finishing. All right. All right, you want a quick run through these games? Just like go off the dome? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tomorrow at 3 p.m., Aston Villa takes on Newcastle. I think this is a rescheduled game from earlier on the season. Uh, One of them got canceled because of COVID. Uh, I'm taking Villa here. Newcastle looked like shit against Arsenal last week, so taking Villa. Yeah, short, sweet Aston Villa here. Recently, they haven't been playing well. They haven't been on the scoring sheet, but Ross Barkley is now back in their midfield. Uh, Beginning of the year, he was a driving force uh, going forward, opening things up for other guys. And like I said before, Newcastle, to me, is the worst performing team so far as of recently. So I think Aston Villa does get the win here. Okay. Uh, No games till next Tuesday after tomorrow's game. So on 126, Newcastle take on Leeds. Once again, Newcastle, shit club. Gonna take Leeds here. This is a dicey one because you never know with Leeds hit or miss. Yeah. But uh, Newcastle can catch them on the counterattack. Uh, Steve Roost has switched back to a 4-4-2. Yeah, um, they can get a squeaky goal, but on the day, I think Leeds... Hmm, I'm gonna go safe here. I'm gonna say it's a draw because... I don't know what, what Leeds is going to show up. They did just lose to Brighton last week, one nothing, which was um, un, unsuspected. But uh, I'm going to go with a draw here, shared points. Okay, fair. Uh, Crystal Palace, West Ham, next game. That's a 1 p.m. game as well. I'm going to take West Ham because I think that they're streaking right now. I really like the way that Suchek has been playing. And I think the the return of Mikel Antonio has been great for them. He's got three in his last two Prem games, which is... Fantastic, especially if you picked him up in fantasy like I did. Uh, Palace not looking so great. Obviously, bottom half of the table. I think West Ham continue their form here. David Moyes has them sharp and on point. West Ham one two nil. Yeah, I, off the rip, my instant gut check is yes, West Ham here. 
uh, not a lot of goals. Both teams struggle scoring and, and uh, converting their chances. Uh, so I do think this will be a one nothing game. Uh, the way it finishes, though, uh, I think Palace steals this one. I think Roy Hodgson could something up. I think the defense, as of recently, has done okay to an extent. Uh, they did get a 0-0 draw against Arsenal, which was pretty hard, especially in the form Arsenal have been in. Uh, and they're coming off a big 4-0 loss to City, where I don't think it should have been 4, it maybe 2 or 3, but... They were hard done a little bit there, but I do think Palace gets a much-needed win here. Okay, fair. Uh, next match, Arsenal-Southampton. This is the three, one of the two 315 games. This could this be a, a really good game, I think. Um, I actually am predicting a draw. I think it mm-hmm. will be a low-scoring draw. If it is n- not a draw, then I think it's a Southampton win. Unfortunately, um, Southampton play a really solid style, and I just don't know if Arsenal are in good enough form to exploit that right now. We will see. I mean, maybe maybe there will be a couple counterattacks here that that get Arsenal in on frame before Southampton get in on ours. But I just don't see that happening. I think it's either like a one-one draw or a nil-nil draw. So I'm just going to go with draw. Yeah, Southampton, as of lately, don't concede many goals. Um, Arsenal, like we said, are in great, great form. Uh, we do get a preview of this matchup tomorrow in the FA Cup. These two yeah. teams face off against each other, and then this match we're talking about takes place on Tuesday. Danny Ings is going to be back. He did, the, in the last game, not play against Leicester. Uh, he was missed uh, after that Liverpool performance, getting the early goal. I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to say there's going to be very little goals because both defenses are playing very well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give the edge to Arsenal here. Okay. I think Arsenal edge it out one, one, nothing, two, one ish. I'm not going above three goals total, but Aubameyang getting two goals in one match is massive for his confidence and I do think it carries on here I think they do get the win here and it's huge because both teams are right next to each other in the league so three points for Arsenal they leapfrog Southampton and if Chelsea loses to Wolves that puts them in the top eight so I think Arsenal wins this one here okay uh next one's short and sweet for me City plays West Brom City are streaking they've got what how many wins in a row you said nine yeah okay well I think they're gonna have ten I just don't think West Brom are playing great. I thought when Big Sam um, had them playing okay for those first like two or three weeks defensively mm-hmm. that things would be okay, but they've started to leak goals, and I mm-hmm. just don't see any like strong attacking presence here, so I'm just going to say City win. Yeah, even when they do win, they give up a lot of goals. Yeah. So, the, I mean, as of right now, they've given up 43 goals in 19 matches. They almost, they averaged a little over two and a half goals against, or maybe or around that yeah, uh, a match. Rough. So it's very, very poor. They're definitely going to go down. I don't see an escape for them. But um, yeah, City here, easy cakewalk. Take it to the bank. Okay. Um. After that, Chelsea Wolves. Yikes. Uh, Wolves did beat Chelsea earlier at the death this season, right? It was 2-1, if I recall. 
Okay. 95th minute winner from Pedro Neto. Yes, I remember that well. I was smiling. Yeah, I'm sure you were. <laughs> I'm actually going to take Chelsea here. I think they bounce back this week. Wolves are obviously in poor form. They're down in 14th. Chelsea's struggling now. Um, but I think that Frank knows his job is in danger. I think they throw a lot forward here, and I think they actually get a couple goals. I think it'll probably be like 2-0 Chelsea. Until proven otherwise, I am not taking Chelsea. I think wow. this game, they, attacking-wise, can not score. They are just as bad as Liverpool right now going forward. They need goals from their midfield to get in these games. Uh, ben Chilwell has been slacking from fullback getting in the attack. Uh, Reese James can't get in the matches because he can't get his fitness. Azpilicueta can't do that same job. And Angolo Conte can't get in the match either. His fitness is poor. I so, saw someone call him obese James the other day. Yeah, it's fucking rude as <laughs> shit, bro. If don't I, don't do my guy like it, that. It cooked me, dude, because they said he's never fit. Yeah, it's it's he can be such a great talent if he can get these the uh, play a full season without injury. Yeah, but um, yeah, like I said, until proven otherwise, I think this game's ended in a draw. Whether it's one one two two, I think it's a draw. Okay, straight up. All right, uh, Aston Villa Burnley. The next game. This is actually a sleeper good match. Burnley after coming off a win versus Liverpool, following and who who scored Ashley Barnes? Yeah, on a pen. Oh my god, what a bullshit fucking way to win! But I'm so glad they did. Uh, obviously, Burnley coming off of a a hot week versus Aston Villa. We will see if they can continue that form. I'm actually going to go with Villa here. I just think that that Villa are overall a better team. And while they aren't as solid at the back, they are much better up top. So I think Jack Grealish and the boys win this one. It'll only be 1-0, though. Burnley does not concede foolish goals. No, they could have off that bad me mistake, but Origi's a shitbag. So he also lost me money. I had the under 2.5 and an Origi goal. So when I saw him hit the crossbar, I fucking shit my pants because I was so mad. How much money did you have on that? It was ten bucks. Oh, what it was, wasn't much. What was the payout? Solid, ninety to a hundred. That's not bad. It's pretty high. But yeah, um, I think I'm gonna go against you again here. I think Burnley are in great form. They defensively, I would say, are probably one of the best teams with their system. They know how to defend. Sean Dice is a defense first guy, and they have the team to hold teams out. And Aston Villa, as of lately, cannot get goals in. Um, their last match. Uh, they lost 2-0 to City, which is a tough task. And the previous time they played, they only got one against United. And then even before that, it was only one against Chelsea. So they, they, they're not creating the chances. Ollie Watkins has gone eight straight he's games. He's missing. Nine the, without he's, a on goal. The, he's on the milk cartons. He's missing. Fantasy-wise, this, uh, this match tomorrow against Newcastle is make or break for him because if he does not score, he's getting dropped. And I am taking somebody new because he's pissing me up. off. Because my um, team's in shambles. Yeah, we play each other this week, actually. Yeah, uh, I'm so I'm struggling. I, so yeah, I just got smacked by Zach. Uh, his team absolutely put me in. But yeah, I think Burnley here in a very low-scoring game. Okay. Uh, so Matt and I are differing there. I'm taking Villa. He's taking Burnley. Brighton, Fulham, shitter of the week, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh Fulham. I'm just gonna say Fulham. Uh, I'm, I'm. I know that that Brighton just got a. Who did they beat just recently? Oh, Leeds. It was Leeds. 
Yeah, so they beat a solid Leeds team, but Leeds is just so, like, shittily... They just play such shitty defense. Um, it doesn't really mean anything to me. I think that there's just going to be those games for Leeds where they, they lose the teams that are not not better than them. Yeah, uh, I don't think that that's a true sign of them, and I don't think it's a true sign of how good Brighton is. I think Brighton are poor. I think Fulham have more structure, and I think Fulham actually beat this Brighton team this week. You know what? Both of these teams are very good at this. Drawing games. Yeah, I know. Brighton lead the league with eight draws. Fulham right up there with six. Easy pick. This is a draw all over it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, United, Sheffield United. So the United teams play each other. There is something deep inside me that's telling me like oh. something happens here, but I'm just going to say that, that Manchester United win this. I think they continue their form. But I have a feeling something will happen in this game, whether it's some VAR nonsense or I just have a feeling. Premonition. Yeah. Uh, Sheffield haven't played since that 1-0 win. Or they, or I can't say that. They got their 1-0 win over Newcastle. And then, like I said last week, they got a spanking from Spurs. Um, I, it was coming. They did get one pass them, so they did get on the score sheet, which does not happen very often. But I think United do win this game. I don't think it's by much. United cannot win games big. Yeah. They do not. They have been scraping games out. Their form recently, yes, they have been getting wins and wins and wins, but only by one goal, mostly. So yeah. it's a low-scoring affair. One one nil two nil here to United. Okay, fair. Uh, next game, Everton Leicester City. Good game. James should be back full strength, playing at his very best. I don't mm-hmm. think that that's enough to stop this streaking Leicester team. I I don't really care that Vardy's out. I know that that's a, a big hit for them. Um, I just I just think that they have enough talent in the midfield to win them yeah. this game versus Everton. Uh, you're going to see Tielemans and Madison carry most of the load this game, but they've been doing that. They've been doing that anyway. So I don't think that they're really going to miss a step here. I'm I'm really kind of on Lester here to beat, to beat Everton. Yeah. I'm totally with you on the point that the midfield needs to pick up the slack for the forward players. Um, James Madison is in very, very good form right now. He's unreal, dude. Um, he's killing the game. The media loves him. Uh, Brendan Rodgers is in love with him. Um, it's going well for Leicester. But both of us did shun Leicester out of the top four. They currently sit in third right now uh, with a great resume as of right now of wins over big clubs. So this is a very big match for them because if Everton wins... That will, it's a six pointer. Everton will get three points shy of catching Leicester in the league. Uh, it is at Everton. This is a big statement match for Ancelotti and the boys. Yeah. Because if they seriously want to be in the talks of top four, which nobody puts them in, hardly anybody, this is the match to win. They have two games in hand on Liverpool and Leicester. So a win here is massive for them. And that is why I think they do squeak this out. I think Jamie Vardy is that big of importance to how Leicester plays. So I'm going to go with Everton here. Okay. I think that's fair, uh, especially for competition's sake. That's good. Who, who, do you think, uh, who do you think 
stars? Do you think Perez, uh, Jose Perez, will start in for Vardy, or do you think it'll be uh, Iannaccio? I think Iannaccio gets the nod, which is yeah. hard to say because Jose Perez has been playing more of a winger role or mm-hmm. a rotation guy up top. Iannaccio is more like how Vardy plays. Yeah, center uh, forward striker. I mean, the most recent memory I have of him is him missing the penalty for Le- Leicester a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. He has not scored in a very, very long time. That's why I feel like with him in there, they'll be playing with 10 men. Um, I'm not disrespecting him like that, but just it's a huge drop-off from having Jamie Vardy up there and what he can do on counterattacks and that. For sure. So I think that's a major loss for them going forward. Okay, I think that is true and and probably uh, fair. Uh, last game, Tottenham, Liverpool, game of the week, right? Yeah, easily. Liverpool win. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have to go with Spurs here. I okay. think Liverpool squeaked out a win over Spurs earlier in the year, and I think this is Spurs getting vengeance. It is at Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham is on a high right now in form. Uh Two wins and two draws. They haven't lost as recently. Liverpool are in terrible form right now. Um, it's getting to a point where they're probably going to get p- compared to how bad Chelsea is. So I think it continues on. I think the Klopp drama and the Mane, uh, Mane Sala drought in the goal column is continuing here. We've We've just made great points of why Kane and Son are up there for players of the seasons or even the golden boot winners. So I do think Tottenham wins this game. And I think they win. I think they get at least three past Liverpool here. Damn three. I think it's a big statement win. I think it really, this is a big statement win for Mourinho and making him and showing why he is the special one. We'll have to see. I don't know how special he is these days. seems like his players do most of the work for him. That's what you want. You don't want to be in the spotlight as a manager. That's true. Um, I just think that I think that Liverpool so desperately need a win, especially against um, a big a big six club. I just think that that they need it more for the fabric of their club and for the sanity of their fan base um, to get this win than Spurs do. Spurs are capable of beating the smaller clubs. Liverpool seem to struggle against the smaller clubs. So I think that they'll be out here. I think that they'll be strong. I think that they'll play their best team. Uh, they just played a, te- they played a terrible team against United. A very just, ugh, Origi and Shakiri. Come on, dude. So, so we'll have to see, but I think that Liverpool get the win. And that is it, I think, for our predictions. Yep, that concludes the the halfway point uh, awards and our predictions for game week 12 or 20, I should say, sorry. Um, make sure you guys check out our other content. Uh, Evan just posted his wake up Wednesday a couple days ago. If you guys want to hear the NFL talk and then uh, also listen to my, my series trips M uh, which comes out on Mondays. We just recap uh, gambling over the weekend and other sports news going on in the world. So uh, check us out at, at SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or if you're a visual watcher, check out our YouTube channel. Click the link in our Twitter bio, which is at Post20Pod. It'll take you straight to our YouTube page. 
and hit that subscribe button why don't you it doesn't hurt it's free yeah uh, that big red button in the bottom right corner and while and while you're at it click that click the bell next to it it'll notify you whenever we post new content up there yep. and in in the months to come we're going to experiment with new things i'm sure so make sure you're checking everything out and evan anything else to add on no that's it thank you guys all for watching stay safe and uh we'll see you next week